Hello and welcome back to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where two game likers in their 30s discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular niche RPGs in a book club-like format. I'm Tyler. And I'm Nate. It's season two, recovering Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's parallel content in the original game released back in 1997 today. The energy is accelerating, the excitement is pumping up as we infiltrate the Shinra building. This is called Sector Zero. Did you know that this is a Sector Zero? The building is Sector Zero. I didn't know that. Mm. Ultimania. Tyler, uh, my energy is building and pumping for a different reason. Can you guess why? Remake is around the corner. We're playing Remake, Tyler. God damn it. Rebirth. <laughs> the other Remake is around the corner. We've got less than one month to finish this and not going to happen. Mm-mm. I'm calling it. Unless, like, our wives both agree to part ways with us for, and your job <laughs> agrees to part ways with you for, like, a solid two weeks, I don't think we're getting it done. In <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'd also like to point out that February 4th marks the second anniversary of the beginning of this podcast, and February 5th marks the one-year anniversary of the end of season one, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. We ended that close, huh? Exactly one year. Yeah. Pretty much. You probably fudge the fudge the numbers a little bit with the hours to say it was exactly one year. You know? In in some time zone there was probably overlap enough where we were on the same day. Wasn't on purpose, but that's how it shook out. Yeah. Cool. Um won't be the case this time around. Cause well, actually it might, because we took a little break between season one and season two. We we didn't get started till like late March, April. Right? I don't even remember. Yeah, somewhere around there. So I'll look it up real quick because it matters. We're slow but steady. April twenty third. Okay, was our, was episode one of remake. We banked a couple of those though. We were working on it a little bit ahead of time, and then released on April. But uh, yeah, less than one month tell rebirth that's exciting that's exciting what are you going to do about that tyler nothing i don't have a ps5 i'm going to play other games i mean i just don't have the means to do it if i did play it i'd have to borrow it from a i mean i'm probably not going to buy one i'll just borrow it from a friend although i don't know i have friends don't know that i have friends that have ps5s i'm do you have i'm going to try to not be too worried about it and immerse myself in other games okay but then there's this thing called the internet and we have we have a whole (laughs) discord full of people that like discussing video games you're gonna be dodging some strays there i bet that's okay you're gonna be dodging me because i am shotgunning that shit immediately i say that but final fantasy 16 came out in june and i still haven't beaten the game and uh it's it's just because you know there's a lot going on finding time to game is precious when you're this age and also i get distracted by other games very easily my god so we're climbing the Shinra building and both remake and original have different things going on on different floors as we get from the 59th, which is when the action begins. We're going to talk about the lobby too in remake because we already talked about the lobby in original in the previous episode. But the contents of what's on each floor is not exactly comparable between the two, but we're going to kind of try our best. I don't really know what the format of this how the back and forth's going to go. I think we'll just wing it. Sounds good. But yeah, in remake, we break in from the parking garage and it's all closed down. It feels like 70% of all the lights are turned off. No one's around. Now rem- remember in original we were like 
hurting all of these <laughs> civilian workers and soldiers around the lobby, cr causing quite a commotion. And uh, but, but there's nothing here in the lobby. Right. They'll be here. Cloud mentions we can get to Hojo's lab via the elevator or the back stair. And it wasn't until I did a little review on YouTube that you can opt to do the back stair in in remake that I didn't even realize. I, I didn't even see a side door to do it. So the main lobby, it's got kind of like an entrance area. We'll get there's a little there's a few things to do there. But uh, the part where you're looking for of where to go there are three doors on the second floor. The left door, which all of them need a keycard to do and to get through. And the left door has the stairwell. The main center door has the elevators, which you told me you did. So I did the the stairwell climb. Same as an OG, we decided to each take a route and deal with it. And um, then the right door has that. Is it a shop? It looks shop. Esque, but there is no ability to buy anything unless I completely missed that. Uh, did you? I didn't find anything in there. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no dialogue. There's no nothing. It's just things on display, Shinra things. Um, Remember, in original, the plot diverges before you enter the lobby, but in remake, both branches of options still contend with the lobby to a certain degree. And so, what we do is we we have to find this elevator key card and we find that it's uh, behind the front desk, which is unmanned because there's nobody here. And it's protected by this blue cylindrical force field. And Tifa takes it upon herself to parkour along hanging light fixtures to jump inside the front desk force field. And it's this little mini game. There's this fun, like energetic music that plays uh, while she uses her or leverages her gym bod to like monkey bar across the light fixtures and swing around to do it. But my feeling is that the energy that I feel when I break into the Shinra building in original is that it's very high energy. There's battles, there's people running away from you and, and shopkeeps that think you're going to mug them and, and, and things like that. But in here, everything kind of grinds to a halt and it feels like everything kind of comes to a dead stop. Although it is, I don't know, some people probably think that it's fun to do this little parkour parkour thing but i guess and nate you said something like this before in in the other episode in the previous episode where it's one of those things where well we don't have lego characters anymore we have actual people and we feel like we need to have something in the lobby that feels more or less realistic than shuttling people around and having this huge high energy confrontation right away do you think that they made some concessions like that when they're writing this scene yeah when we get done digesting this whole thing it's all going to tie together and there's going to be an actual actual like explanation for what we're able to get away with in these sequences but in og you have all of those questions the same way i'm like did they just blow up their front yard there's also the question of like how is no one reacting to this you have an entire military and yet, you know, I guess you can get into random battles where a soldier will show up or something but you would think that this is like nearly guaranteed suicide to just charge in the front door of this place. This is like, this is kind of anime logic, right? So remake is kind of recontextualizing everything to make it like, just like I said, like you said it, I said it because we're not necessarily cartoon characters anymore. We don't get away with as, as much as we could <laughs> before. And so 
it'll it'll kind of all be broken down here. One thing I will say is, uh, you know, Tifa doing the parkour section. The first time she tries to get to the reception desk that's blocked off fr- from above, there's like a hole in the ceiling of the reception desk. She falls on her ass and like falls on a a puffy leather couch or something to break her fall. And she's like, I thought I was going to die, you know, (laughs) but it's, it's like the way she like slowly shuffles around these chandeliers or light fixtures or whatever you want to call them. And like the jumps she takes where she's like barely making it. It's like, girl, I've seen your, your acrobatics and your limit breaks. And like you punching a thousand pound pipe to (laughs) get it to not hit someone. And that was falling on in the sector seven, area and it's like yeah i don't i don't buy that you suddenly just suck at this for some reason so her her whole explanation is like i'm the lightest one so i'll have to do it and it's like yeah you're also like an acrobatics god every time we get into combat where you're like jumping 20 feet into the air to melee a dragon so a little (laughs) bit of suspension of disbelief there you know yeah uh also i missed a treasure chest that I only saw it after I completed the area. And if you got that, please let me know what's in there so I can stop obsessing over it. I can. And I missed this my first playthrough as well. And I was disappointed. It is Tifa's final weapon. It's called Purple Pain. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Oh my God. Why'd you, you should have lied to me. That's gonna, that's a reload right there. It's a... It's a music disc from Prince's Purple Rain, and it plays on the jukebox. Oh. Purple rain, purple rain. Yeah, that's why it's purple, because this because most treasure chests are or are you know glow yellow or orange. This one actually, right. not we're joking, but this one actually grows glows purple, right. and it's got purple paint. Um, its stats emphasizes crits, and its ability is called True Strike. It does bonus damage to staggered enemies. Mm, damn. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I don't know that I have a separate file. Maybe, maybe there's an autosave. No, it would have. I would have triggered another autosave since then. Fuck, man. This was mostly cutscenes. You could you could easily go back and get it and just skip cutscenes. I don't know how old my my other save is before this. So anyway, I only noticed it because like it's not terribly evident that you're going the right or wrong way. I have this. Uh, I have this uncanny ability to like, I want to explore everything in a dungeon. I want to get every treasure chest and find every nook and cranny in all RPGs and dungeon games. Right. And I have this uncanny ability to want to go the wrong way and always go the right way, especially if it entails walking into a like cutscene trigger that will like push you off a mm-hmm. cliff and you can never get back up. Rest assured, I will always do that one first. I'm like, this this corner looks obscure and bad. There's no way this is the correct way to go. And then, boom, like your partner gets their head chopped off and you get washed away in a river and now you're on a different continent and you're just like, son of a <laughs> bitch. So, that yeah, it happened again. I, I thought I was like, I was going backwards. Like, this is the opposite of the direction I need to go. So I'm, I'm probably like weaseling my way around here. Right. And then I just jump and she like finishes her thing and she's on the final chandelier, but it's lower than the one she jumped from. So I can't jump back and I'm just like, Oh my God. So, um, 
alternatively, I've also been playing um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom on the side. So I have this weird thing in my head that like every treasure chest just has a big battery in it and I don't actually need it or need to give a shit about what's in a treasure chest anywhere in any game I'm playing. So Oh, that sounds like that sucks. Yeah, it does. It does suck. Uh, I might might write a whole diss or You're t- dead to treasure chests and video games? Yeah, Zelda. I might, I might, I might <laughs> have to, terrible. might have to write a whole fucking dissertation on how breath likes have ruined reward structures for me eternally. Don't come at me, breath like lovers out there. I, I will fight you over this topic. He will fight you. Yeah. Anyway, I missed the glove, Tyler. Fuck me. Fuck you. I'm going to keep her moving. We get the car, we disable the force field, and learn that Hojo's lab is on the 65th floor. But our key card can only get us as high as the 59th. It is at this point where we split off to either ascend the stairwell or take the elevators. We're talking about this lobby being empty when we enter. And the party does comment on, like, this all seems too easy, right? This this whole mm. infiltration they're doing. And, that again, that will be explained, but... For me, um, playing OG, because I didn't do the bust in the front doorway, I did the stairwell. Playing OG has been a very, very calm affair basically the entire time in the building because you're sneaking on every floor doing some sort of puzzle to get key card upgrades or whatever. So my Shinra building experience in OG has been a lot of like that that's all that's it's just very calm serene shinra music nothing foreboding or threatening coming my way and that is kind of the experience you get through the lobby and remake and if you take the uh the stairwell route i don't know if it's the same the elevator route do you get into some fights or cause some ruckus that way yes we do okay i'm looking forward to hearing about that should i go do you want me to go first yes take it away so we enter the third floor elevator bay we go in and the gang kind of wonders are we gonna run into anybody on our way up we kind of hope that we don't but the elevator comes to a stop at the 10th floor which the subtitle Uh, says is administration, the administration floor. And then two elite security officers uh, enter. They are the red shirts, the the, the upgraded versions of the regular blue-colored guys. And we do battle with them. And then we uh, clean them up pretty fast. And then the door shuts and we go up another 10 floors to R&D, research and development. But before the door opens, as we're going from the 10th to the 20th, Baird complains that people ought to use the damn stairs sometimes, which I think is a soft nod to the staircase strat, funny enough. People ought to try using the damn stairs sometime. When the R&D floor opens, we are in combat with three red shirts. Each time the door opens, it's an interval of 10, which is pretty coincidental. I don't think it was quite as even as it was in, as it was in uh, original. Anyways, uh, 30th floor, urban planning. An innocent female office employee like walks almost right into Cloud's sword drawn like pointed right at her nose. She goes all stunned and then she kind of shrinks and she and she uh, leaves the elevator bay. She doesn't get in. 40th floor is space and aeronautics in which an oblivious Shinra employee is on the phone. And he's talking about an impending avalanche attack and he hopes that his kids and his and his uh, family is safe. And he gets into the elevator with all of us, his back turned to us, talking to his phone, not paying attention and continues to yammer in this conversation until we get to the 
next floor, I guess I presume it's the 50th floor in which he leaves the elevator completely not knowing that we're there. You okay? Good. That's a relief. What? Oh, they gotta be kidding. And then as we get from the 50th floor to the 59th floor, the final floor that we have access, Barrett and Cloud Tifa, Barrett and Tifa, discuss the inherent complicity of lay Shinra people and their role in destroying the planet. A good man who serves a great evil is not without sin. He must recognize and accept his complicity. We're having that discussion again. Are these innocent people really all that innocent if they're working for this great big uh, planet life-sucking corporation? And then finally on the 59th floor, we, uh, we get off. I think that your route is a much better companion to things and themes that are going to come up later in this chapter because I don't have all that much to say about doing the stairwell. Uh, I can give you a brief rundown of it, of how it works. Remake stairwell. Yes. Pretty much the same as in OG. Now, again, this is the left door. You use your key card and there's, there's like a main hallway where it looks like you're going somewhere important, but there is like basically like kind of a, it's high tech, it's modern, but it, it almost looks like a small janitor's closet door. And then entering the stairwell definitely looks like an emergency maintenance stairwell and that no one actually uses this place. So again, it kind of amps up that idea that like all of these elements that they're just updating and tweaking to be a little bit more believable you know an og there's this giant like gate entryway to the mm -hmm. side stairwell right and then here it's this thing tucked away that apparently you missed because you didn't even know it was an option so they're definitely a little bit more believable that they're kind of sneaking their way up the side stairwell now you've got your three little health bars on the bottom right there's a floor indicator for what floor each party member is on and tifa will kick your ass going she will always be two or three floors above you and you'll hear her audio like her voice kind of echoing down to you hey guys where are you just a few floors behind you she is um pretty stalwart and encouraging the whole way she doesn't have any of the the bickering going on the bickering is mostly between cloud and barrett cloud saying very basic things like why don't you show up or show up why don't you just shut up or keep mm -hmm. walking, you know, things like that. Just say you can't hack it. I'll hack you, jackass! So you're getting a lot of more depth out of your route by having them actually discuss issues and maybe even bond over their ideals and character develop a little bit. Barrett, um, I wouldn't, it's not the like stages of grief <laughs> in a way, but Barrett does kind of go through like his own separate character arc on the stairway at around like floor 20 he's like laughing like ha i got this uh, here we go gonna get another stairwell ha <laughs> like it's several bouts of like joker-esque laughing fits of him having to deal with this torment he's under he's going insane yes yes and then kind of halfway through 30 to 40 like the the struggle sets in where he's regretting his decision and why there gotta be so many damn stairs you know are these stairs ever gonna end barry you can just look at the number on the wall it's plainly printed on the wall it, and he's talking about it like being this endless trek and it's like 
I don't I don't know about that. You have a very discernible goal in front of you. It's not like a trap or a trick, but it does make me think, you know, like are they going to take a rest when they get up there cuz the both Bear and Cloud are getting their their asses beat by these stairs. You will actively your character will move more sluggishly the the further you get up. Makes me wonder if there's like a I'll have to look this up, but with the floor counter is there a way for Cloud to get first? I wonder if you like paced him more evenly. I don't think so, but it kind of reminds me of like, you know how in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, you have your horse with his little oh, yeah. carrot sticks. And if you use them all, your horse gets tired. But if you tread that line of like, never letting him run out of energy but you keep pushing him he'll always be like at what his kind of max speed will be traversing the the area so the trick is to not overtire your horse and i wonder if there's like some shadow mechanic where cloud could have a better pace if i wasn't just gunning it all the time up the stairway like maybe i half cock my analog stick and I will have a measured pace all the way up where I could actually beat Tifa. I don't think so, but I would love to see if that's possible. Otherwise, finally, when Barrett gets to floor 50, he says that he gives up and he just wants to turn around and go back down. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. I want to go back. You're at floor 50. Like the, the, just the math of that is like, why? Because I don't know about you, but like this, you might think like, okay, yes, definitely it's harder to go upstairs than to go downstairs. But for me, who has degenerative joint disease, going downstairs sucks just as much as going upstairs for me because of the impact on my knee hole or whatever you want to call it, like the the amount of pain I'm in. So I don't know, Barrett being like a, a huge ass man, and he's he's not young either. Wait, he's probably like, he's probably younger than us now that I think when we looked at that age list so uh yeah i don't i don't know that it's helpful at all to go back down barrett so he's at floor 50 tifa just like she has to convince him to keep going and so finally we make it to 59 barrett and cloud are absolutely destroyed tifa's in good shape she's got the gym bod she's got the pacing and the cardiovascular health to do this but no like actual depth or character development happening in the stairway no bonding between cloud and barrett actually a little bit of maybe unbonding for them because they just spent the whole time arguing uh so not much going on there and a little bit envious of your route if i'm gonna be honest nate should we talk about the original versions of these split strategies we did last time didn't we well, I talked about uh, the lobby portion of original, but it didn't talk about the elevator portion of my part of original. I did talk about the uh, stairwell oh, last did. week. Okay. So go ahead, elevator me on OG. Here's the elevator pitch. So I took the third floor elevator as well, and we go up a number of floors. And as we go up, Cloud says, I didn't want to start a ruckus until we saved Aerith. And I should have known that that would be impossible. And Barrett laughs suspiciously at this comment Cloud makes. And, and Cloud goes, what is it? You're giving me the willies. <laughs> now, Nate, can you imagine in remake Cloud, the voice actor of Cloud, like saying a line like, what is it? You're giving me the willies. No, I can't. But <laughs> there's like a underlying narrative of, Cloud's actually kind of a huge dork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and I don't know if it's intentional or if it's a translation decision, but like he's this person playing the role of the hero and he's being this like narcissistic badass. But then he has these flashes of like being a dumbass country bumpkin where like, boy, you're giving me the willies, you know, <laughs> or something. Not that his voice actor would deliver it that way, but that it's in his vernacular. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we all know the most famous example of that is the let's mosey right right so and then said like damn man can't you say something fucking cool you idiot you know so i again i don't know maybe and i haven't seen anything translation wise on this like maybe it's an intentional thing in the original japanese that he has flashes of talking like a dork or if it's just the translator you know because there's other instances of goofy dialogue in this game so i i think it's that but like maybe a happy accident that leads into some character uh further down the road sprinkles sure um i'll also note we talked about a certain thing that was said last week tifa is nothing but supportive she has no derogatory language to give us in remake this time big surprise not a big surprise yeah yeah but tifa i wasn't not now Save it for the top. So once Cloud lays on, you're giving me the wheelies. Barrett says, so there are times where even you fight for other people. Meaning he's all kind of impressed, kind of leaning into the equivalent sort of conversations you hear in Remake, where like right before we did the the, the plate climb episode with the Valkyrie, you know, the, the previous chapter, where they had that, hey, maybe you are coming around to being a human being. And some of that's happening here right now in original but Cloud brushes it off and says, who cares if you're impressed? And then Barrett apologizes for, quote, a lot of things. <laughs> Once that conversation wraps up, sirens go off and that digital display that shows you what floor you're on is rapidly printing like every permutation of two digit digital combinations of numbers. It looks like it's going haywire. But what's really just happening is people are coming in. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, my God, because it's like... The sirens are going off, they're acknowledging that maybe there are interlopers in the elevator, but the elevator is still determined to go all the way to the top. There's no override going on, there's just people waylaying you as you're ascending. So we stop at floor 21 where three grenadiers fight us, and those are kind of like the equivalent uh, red shirts that we fight in Remake, because even the, the, the red shirts in Remake that we fight throw grenades. Then we stop at floor 34 where we fight a hammer blaster, which is a mech that's built like inset into the floor and he swings a big hammer and his uh, basic attacks can cause confusion, I've noticed. On floor 43, we fight a sword dance, which is a large floating eel-shaped mech with a circular saw on its face and its ass and serrated razor blades across the top and bottom of its narrow body. Floor 54, we fight two sword dances and then at floor 59, we get off here. So between the two games, we don't get into combat or at least the elevator doesn't come to a stop at equivalent floors. Remember in Remake, it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and 59. In original, it's 21, 34, 43, 54, and 59. Something you mentioned there about Barrett saying he's surprised that even Cloud would fight for someone else than himself. I think there's there's something to be said about, you know, like Cloud is fighting for Avalanche, and he's a former soldier like these are two military factions and he seems at the start of the game to be disenchanted with 
either one of them. He doesn't believe in Shinra, but he also doesn't really believe in Avalanche. He's just out to get paid. He doesn't give a shit. And maybe Aerith is like the first truly like unattached innocent person he's interacted with in a while like Mm. tifa could be that for him in a way and she doesn't want to be a fighter but she does involve herself with avalanche so you know like this Aerith might be the first example of like cloud being snapped out of a reality where it's like everyone is compromised or attached to some sort of pointless conflict or like dogma in one way or another and then he meets somebody that is like truly purely innocent and she gets involved in all this like that might be the thing that like snaps him out of his selfishness of like okay wait this person actually doesn't deserve (laughs) deserve this whereas everybody else has some complicity you know even that discussion about the shinra employees right Mm -hmm. like but I think in remake, you get a lot more examples of people like caught up in the bullshit very early on. And I think a good example of that is like Jesse's dad, you know, he's a Shinra employee. He's complicit, but like he hears his story and he hears Jesse's story and he realizes like, yeah, this is, this is a guy just trying to like do his job, provide for his family. And like, Shinra brushed his trauma under the rug and his condition and there's no hope for the guy. And so Cloud's having a lot more genuine interactions like this in remake. So there might be some connective tissue there to why we're getting a more, well, like we've talked about the onion layers peeling off faster in remake comparatively. I mean, I have a 35 hour play time in remake now, so maybe not faster gameplay time wise, but story Timeline-wise, we're getting a, a cloud unraveling faster. The onioning. Yes. The the squishing, the patterning, the onioning, <laughs> the peeling. <laughs> all of that to say that uh, I, I think it makes sense that it's slower in OG because we have less examples of people that like you're interacting with that are innocent. Like, Aerith might genuinely be the first one in OG, except for, like, kids, obviously. Sliding back into Remake, the two strategies, whether you go elevator or backstair, they come together at a scene in which our heroes are not present. We are in a different floor of the Shinra building. I'm going to call this the Scarlet Scene. There are three materia floating in a large test tube in a laboratory. Shinra scientists and soldiers are all around. Scarlet is watching and giggling to herself, sitting on a giant lounge chair. Nate, there's a giant lounge chair in this laboratory. (laughs) Part of it is a chair. (laughs) Her feet are relaxing on the back of an anonymous Shinra soldier who is humiliated as her human ottoman. He's actually on his hands and knees, whimpering while she rests her heels on his back. <laughs> I think we're in, a, you know, our Dami Mommy era as far as video game goes. Now, Xenoblade Chronicles is like a 14-year-old game at this point. But, you know, we talked about this with Larithia. Is that her name, right? Oh, yeah. Mm, so full of passion. And I haven't played it, but we have the... I, I can't even say her name correctly so i'm just gonna say lady d from resident evil village Mm. resident evil 8 
And we also have uh, here the the Scarlet experience in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And so I think, you know, Scarlet was played off as this attractive red-dressed lady who will she'll give you a decisive slap to the face if so needed but <laughs> this this is all this is all brand new characterization if we're being honest here it's a great articulation of the kind of person she is her cruelty is flippant and casual and making this poor soul rest her heels on his back is just a great final or great little touch certainly not the final touch we're washing her in a materia development lab and we also know that heidegger is like a weapons development or like military guy right director of public security yeah well that's his like public title but we we know he's in charge of like the mechs and stuff that were well well he was talking to his soldiers about them right well nate i wonder if that's a divergence between original and remake we know that for certain that that was at least part of his role in original, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. Okay. Well, I don't know. Well, what with Airbuster? Yeah. Because he was so relevant in the Airbuster stuff. Nah, you're probably right about that. So I'm I'm going, you know, him being the, like, boots on the ground, soldiers with swords and guns guy, and her being the magic, like, a little bit more of the uh, finesse and tactics, or, or like, I don't know, maybe just, ma- you know, like, every... You can kind of break it down. Most RPGs have your your brute strength and then your magic intelligence capabilities person. Uh, Thinking those two are kind of the two sides of the same coin here when it comes to Shinra's military might. Yeah, but at the same time, I wonder why this isn't under Hojo's purview. Because, I mean, if you look at what happens or what she does or what her, her attitude is like, he probably just thinks that they're like belligerent morons. Sure. And she doesn't have any advice to offer on any of this because I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to say before the like concluding event of this scene? I've got the play by play. Scientists engage a cooling protocol after confirming quote Mako super saturation. Another grunt enters the room and reminds Scarlet of a meeting that she's meant to be at shortly. Scarlet shuts him up and says his timing is impeccably atrocious. And then one researcher is recognizing that there is a mass increase in the test materia. We swap to another grunt watching a series of monitors where one screen is observing the heroes. The screen glitches and the heroes vanish from view. This grunt does not notice. So we notice that we bookmark it in our brains, but there's more going on in the scene. Scarlet like throws her head back and goes, show me something truly exquisite. Show me something truly exquisite. And then the three materia in the test tube glow red, swell up and multiply. And then someone hollers, contaminants registered. And Scarlet anime huffs, kicks over her human ottoman and says, we're leaving. A warning siren sounds and red lights flash. The test tube containing the materia begins to crack as Scarlet leaves the lab and a containment blast door closes behind her. She tells another grunt waiting outside to, quote, clean up the mess as a muffled explosion shakes the room. Mr. Ottoman follows behind her hurriedly, crawling on all fours. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like he's got a little dog. Yes. Uh, gave me now i haven't played these games but i see clips of the yakuza games that have very like animated cartoony like characters and 
it gave me those vibes of the guy crawling on the floor. Like he, his animations are almost sped up in like the old timey black and white movies where you'd see people racing across at like heightened speed with an increased frame rate. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of shuffles like in a non-realistic way across the floor. Uh, yeah, but I got questions about this scene, Tyler. Lay it on me. There's a lot going on here. So, these are red materia. What do, what do we all know red materia do? Summon. Behind the doors, we hear the doctor scream as an explosion happens. Is there, like, a giant beast in that room now that they have to contain somehow? I hope so. I thought they was just molten and corrupted, but my god, if right. some new beast came forth, that would be kind of awesome. Now, I have further questions, right? So Scarlet is in this room, you know, and I'm postulating here about like what her role in developing these things are because she didn't necessarily give any advice, but she seems to know what's going on. It's not just like a casual viewing of like watching this happen. She knows that something bad is about to happen once she starts hearing some of the statistics, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gleaning that she has some passing or advanced knowledge of this process that they're engaging in in here, right? So, Tyler, are there any other characters in the game that use knowledge and capabilities and gather intel to create materia? I can't think of an example. Pass. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's right there. Somebody you you interact with on a regular basis that you provide them with knowledge and oh, they provide oh. you with materia in return. Chadley. <laughs> I have developed new materia. Would you like to see it? Right. So we know that Chadley is in Shinra. Yes. I, I have to wonder, you know, we talked about Chadley being a double agent and is he an avatar for scarlet does she recognize our potential beyond the fumbling idiots within her own lab and says you know i need fresh eyes on this uh research r&d game people out in the field who can actually take on these things besides the idiots with the ak-47s and you know, she she spots a uh, one of one of Hojo's projects, even a discarded Hojo project, and she says, "You know, I think there's something here. I'll send out one of my little my little toys to talk to him." <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get a Chadley reveal of any kind, or if he will just end up being exactly what he presents himself as being. But I'm gonna go with that being my theory that Chadley is a a puppet of Scarlet's, based on what I experienced in this scene here. What do you think about that? If he was a puppet of Scarlet, he'd be, I feel like he'd be a a cut down version of himself, an emotionally abused employee intern. But however, I feel like if he were under, if like Hojo was his supervisor, I think Hojo has a greater appreciation for a gifted person than the cruel narrow mindedness of Heidegger and Scarlet. And if it were, a matter of Hojo, I can see him like putting him out in the field and like gather good data. And he's like, yeah, I love gathering <laughs> good data. And and they might have this unusual union between the two. I like your train of thought, but I'm, I'd hope that he's works for Hojo and not on any of these other fools. My biggest thing is that Chadley is so suspiciously good that 
he's almost the polar opposite of somebody like Scarlet in a suspicious way. If you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to say like, this person is totally not me, I'm going to make the exact opposite of me, <laughs> make this avatar or puppet or, you know, nano machine brainwashed child, whatever it is. Like you would have him be, well, I don't want him to have any tells that make it sound like me. You know, Reeves got his, Reeves got his yeah. giant anime cat. Um, <laughs> Scarlet's got her little uh, Boy Scout, you know? Problem, problem. You can't have uh, Mama and Little Boy in the same scene because the subtext is too sexually charged. Right. Counterpoint, Japan. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh. We'll have to find out. I, I bet we've got to get all the battle intel figured out. I've only got one left. We've got to get all 12 green materia mastered, and, I've, and I think I've just got three to go. The hardest one is going to be revive, because it's a fucking marathon to get that thing leveled up. All right. Now, you said that... Ho- I, I have to contest you on a point here. You said that Hojo has a high appreciation for things, but... A greater appreciation for talent great, than the others. Greater appreciation for talent. But he... Is this a spoiler? I don't I don't know. He uh he failed to recognize the most talented product he ever created. Um maybe. He's like uh I don't know. Is it like a Ramses situation in Xenogears where like he was thrown away as trash, but he ended up being like the absolute most badass thing the guy ever made. Yeah, well, it could be. It could be that he trashes him and then, and then realizes something he didn't realize before, and and gets on board, right? And feels differently right. about it. Has a has an internal revelation. Floor fifty nine, Nate. Floor fifty nine. They're pretty different in both games. I think I'll talk about original right away here. So when we get off the elevator or the back stair, you engage a fight with three Shinra soldiers that are in big red armor and they're guarding a second elevator bay across the way. They're called Mighty Grunts, tall red power suits. They deal, uh, when you deal some damage to them, they shed their armor and reveal a small, like small slender dudes mm-hmm. inside. And they're wearing this futuristic skin tight Samus Aaron bodysuit version of of her armor battle suits right and they had no karate and they and they move around on rollerblades they have really high evasion and they may waste their turn by roller skating in a circle around one of your party members <laughs> when you defeat them you receive key card 60 in floor 59 in remake this floor is called the skyview hall and it's a very placid social area where there's a few idling Shinra employees taking a break over the course of their late night shift. Recall that it's like nighttime. It's probably like nine, ten o'clock at night. That's my feel on it, at least. When we enter the room, Tifa and Baird are like racing over to these huge floor-to-ceiling windows. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll follow them. And there's this luxurious violin music playing. It reminds me of the opera music that President Shinra was listening to from his office when he was watching the fall of the Sector 7 plate collapse i have i think it's a it's a soft callback to that moment because we didn't get that moment in remake we didn't get operatic music in that particular cutscene. i'm getting the vibe of that music here in skyview hall 
Mm-hmm. And we observe the city at night from those huge uh, floor-to-ceiling windows, and Barrett does more Mako preaching, and I don't feel like getting into it because we talked about it like 1,500 times. Yes. Another part of the Skyview Hall has a hologram receptionist, and she, well, it, or, I mean, it, it present, <laughs> the hologram presents as a woman, and she upgrades our pass to a visitor's pass, which grants us access to floors up to 63, and the contents of floors 61, 62, and 63 is a museum of things about Shinra and Mako energy and Shinra divisions of departments and an IMAX theater. She invites us to take the grand tour. And I got to laugh because once the hologram receptionist does her whole spiel, Barrett goes, why is this whole thing got to be such a big pain in the ass? Why is this whole thing got to be such a big pain in the ass? And I laugh, Nate, about that because I'm feeling the same sort of way where, assuming you did the front entrance like I did, there's all this commotion, all this battling. And then when you get to floor 59 in either game, uh, things slow down. And although in my heart of hearts, I know like we're coming to a really big high point in the drama and the story and the in the fighting that's going to be happening, the inevitable clashes and, and daring escape that we're expecting to do when we save Aerith. But in the face of that, we are being compelled to go through a museum, which kind of stops things dead for me. Although the things in the museum in Remake are extremely, extremely interesting. Right. And well worth talking about. Now, for me, having gone the stairway route, uh, granted, we both did the garage and remake, but it's it's all in tune. I'm still in that that headspace of how the fuck am I still here? And nobody <laughs> has a clue. Right. So for you, it's definitely a shift. But for me, it's kind of more of the same to the point where, you know, when I step up out of the elevator on floor 59 and there's average Shinra employees just kind of standing around looking at me. It's like cloud might get the mildly dressed like soldier pass, but then, and, and Tifa might be like, you know, we've, we've well established. I'm accepting she's gym girl. Now her, her, her whole narrative is leaned in that direction. So there is a, like a, a training gym area in the building for employees who there's a strong implication that these employees like live here or that several employees are regularly required to stay overnight because there's beds and a gym and and accommodations and lockers and everything here. So with that said, you Tifa could get the passes of like, Oh, she's the gym instructor, but there is no excuse for these people to turn a blind eye to Barrett. (laughs) You say, large rugged man in military attire and not like Shinra military attire, like guerrilla military attire with a fucking machine gun on his arm. So it's all in that same vein of how, how does nobody have a clue we're in here and we'll get explained, but there wasn't a tonal shift on my part, uh, exploring the building further at this point. I will point out the, like the circular view of Midgar overlooking the city, I went to the Tokyo Sky Tree, and it reminded me a lot of that. It's a, it's like a the Seattle the Space Needle is that what it's called there? Mm-hmm. And you you can get like a 360 degree view of Tokyo as you walk around this big lounge area, and it just kind of blows you away of how massive that city is. So you know, Midyar is pretty big, but I still think uh, I still think Tokyo is bigger. They didn't. They didn't go to that scale with Midgar. It, it's bigger than the scale they gave us with OG of 
how many buildings and things are in Midgar. So when you're up on that top floor and you're looking down, you see like actual expressways uh, in the plate. So there's an increased level of scale and it's pretty cool. So, um, but it made me think of that. Now, also this kind of tour day, having to go through the museum thing. The first thought I had is it reminds me of Ikea. Have you ever been to Ikea? Oh yeah. So uh, Ikea has this, like you walk through all the rooms, but you're not actually like, you can grab a bag and like pick up knickknacks to buy, but most likely like you're looking at furniture and then you're going to go to the bottom floor and pick it up later. And my dad will not go to Ikea anymore because he's like, he just gets lost in the maze. And like, he's the last time he was there, he walked through a door only to find out that he was making reverse progress and that he'd already been in an area. He, he doesn't know how to do the skip. So I was thinking about that as a, like Barrett said, why we got to do all this bullshit to get through here? <laughs> Just take us to the next floor, please. I'm like, Barrett is my dad in this occasion of like, I'm just going to stay in the food court and get Swedish meatballs. I'll see y'all later. Cheers. That sounds delicious. What follows in remake is another cutscene featuring another Shinra department head. This one features Reeve. The caption is 63rd floor, urban planning administration. It's a pretty short scene compared to the, I mean, I guess the Scarlet scene wasn't very long, but this one's even shorter. Reeve is at work uh, assessing the damage of the Sector 7 collapse and is drafting a reconstruction plan for this department head meeting that all the Shinra heads are going to be going to momentarily. And he says, destroying the entire sector is beyond the pale. And his assistant, who's like handing him documents or you know, gathering from him, something like that, says, you better watch your words because something like that could get you in trouble around here. But what's interesting is what happens next. Uh, what we see next is a is an overlay of our screen featuring a like security camera footage, like all the little bits and data stuff on the corners of the screen. That's, that's the language of film telling you that you're not just looking through a normal camera eye, mm -hmm. like you're a fly on the wall, you're actually looking through a security camera. This shot quickly cuts to a man watching intently. We can see he has a white mustache and beard. It's all very mysterious and unusual. Next, we see a wider shot of his desk or office and he's got a ton of images of cloud teeth and Baird on display all over the room he's in fade to black now it begs the question reeves developing a new plan to rebuild midgar they have an entire sector that has yet to be rebuilt and then they just dropped another one 25 percent of midgar is lying on the fucking ground right <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's got a new proposal for a new Sector 7. My question is, what is so bad about the region of Sector 6 that they never got around to rebuilding that one? Or maybe that's what he has been working on up until this one. Now he has twice as much work to do. But we know from Don Corneo that basically Midgar is like going to be abandoned. And that I don't think there is going to be a rebuilding plan here based on what we heard from the, their their inside crime guy, right? So is Shinra, President Shinra, or the, the upper echelons of the organization, like you picture Reeve as being one of the big, the big six, the big five? I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's a level below the, the high 
the Heideggers and the Scarlets, right? Unofficially. Yeah. Probably. He doesn't seem to be in on the bigger battle plan for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Certainly not in the same mental space where everyone's kind of hard scrabbling for power or making these foolish gambles. Right. It appears that Reeves, his heart is actually in the right place. And now that we've got a, like, we got a good look at him at the meeting and now that we're looking at him even closer it's interesting that when they made this character all these years ago and he was in like dirge of servers too so he's looked he's had this appearance for a while it's interesting that when he was first concocted he did not look like keanu reeves but now he does <laughs> yeah, he does look like bearded yeah. keanu reeves he yes. could be played by keanu reeves if there was a live action final fantasy 7 movie absolutely you'd get a line of like but dropping a whole plate is beyond the pale. <laughs> Should we continue to floor 60? Yeah. Okay. So floors 60, 61, 62 are all the museum. And I feel like it's only fair to couple that discussion all together. So I'd rather do the original stuff first. Sure. Okay. So in original floor 60, we enter through a tube elevator that looks out over the city and there's this really great cinematographic technique that takes place to begin our entrance into the... Firstly, we see a Shinra lackey at a control station not noticing Cloud and the gang hopping out of this tube elevator. And then the camera does one of those cinematic shots where the shot begins in the control room and then zooms past the shoulder of the guy, looking at the screens, towards the video screen displaying Cloud, and then when the screen fills our screen it holds for a second and then we seamlessly transition back into gameplay very very cool mm -hmm. 1997 gameage i don't know if i call it revolutionary because it's such a small thing in this very large game but it's so stylish and it's so cool and you've seen it in movies too here we are seeing it in a video game, probably for the first time. There were so many little things that we took for granted as kids that we didn't realize like, well, in some cases we did realize, but in other cases we didn't realize like this is the first time we're seeing something cinematic in a video game. Absolutely. The infiltrating Shinra building music plays. Nate, you sang a few notes of it earlier. Boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. It's all very chill. And suspicious there are two npcs that won't let us go past but they don't recognize us as a threat which is quite lucky i would say and they're flanked by eight golden busts of a variety of figures i assume they're i can't really see what they're what they look like i think they're pre-rendered i don't think they're actually like polygons on the screen president shinra heads they're all president shinra heads god forbid they're president shinra heads there's a little mini game where you've got to hide from the guard's line of sight as you scooch from behind one large golden bust to another. Once you get all of your teammates past the halfway point, there's another set of guards with a different movement and 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 no-go sight line pattern on the second half. <laughs> and I literally fucked this up, Nate, five times in a row. And every time you, you you fuck it up, you get into a fight, and then you go all the way back, you've got to do it all over, do it all over again. There's no saving your progress. Of course not, because you, you got caught. Why should you stay where you were if you got caught but here's what i didn't know nate if you get caught five times in a row the game despawns <laughs> despawns these assholes 
And then Barrett chaps your ass for sucking at playing Final Fantasy VII. See, I, I both, <laughs> I'm both a complete pro at this segment, and in my playthrough, God damn it, my playthrough for this sake of this podcast, I absolutely crushed it. But in the past, <laughs> I've also done that where I fought them five times in a row because those guys give experience points. Yeah, they do. And I'm I'm all for additional experience points that I don't have to run around in a circle to prompt. Same thing with the um I told you about the the tunnel on the way to sector 5 reactor, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Where you, if you walk back far enough, you can just get in endless fights with troops. It's a good grinding opportunity. I anticipated this being a great grinding opportunity, but then they eventually just said, "Hey, stop. Stop trying to cheese the game. Go do something important." On the other side, of the gauntlet, you enter an office that has a staircase to floor 61. One last thing I want to say about that little minigame, it reminds me of the little minigame we had in Remake in the previous chapter with the Valkyrie. Remember when we were moving between mm. shipping container boxes? Right. We're doing that in Remake and right now, but entirely different environments and and no-go zones. Gotcha. Instead of machine guns, they're human eyeballs. Interesting. So I'm going to move on to floor 61 of original. This is a lounge floor. Not much to say here. Big public area with lots of circular tables, chairs, and a tree that is the centerpiece of the room. There are two employees that thought they heard a ruckus down below, but it's all good because it's safe up here on floors 60 and up. Some moron mistakes me for Shinra repairs and gives me the floor 62 key card. It's interesting that... The Shinra employees are like, yeah, Susie from accounting was just murdered by terrorists, but I don't care because I've made it to floor 61. <laughs> there's like some sort of capitalist commentary going on there where like, you know, there's the underplate. There's all the urchins and losers that live underneath Midgar. And then there's there's main level Midgar. And then within the Shinra tower itself, there's the dichotomy of like, the closer you are to heaven, the more blessed you are where like no danger can befall you if you're on floor 60. Like they're so oblivious to the the actual danger right in front of them because they've, they've made it. They're made men. They can't be touched. They can't be touched. Little mafia reference there. The entire second half of our conversation encompasses remakes tour through the museum so now is a good time to take a break come back next week for part two see ya